oh my God, I'm so embarrassed I got fired on national television. Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed this podcast like that I thought was so wonderful and going to be massive and huge just like got pulled from underneath the rug, you know? So it would be more embarrassing to me to just like stay down. And I was like, at least no one's gonna fault me for getting back up and trying again. Like no one's gonna think that's embarrassing. No one's gonna wish for you to fail again. Well, some people might, but like for the most part, I just thought like, I'll at least have to try to get back up and do it again. And then it almost always 99.9% .9 of the time, you do get back up and you soar even higher. So it's worth the climb back up. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest is the highly successful and dynamic social media star, Shannon Ford. You may remember Shannon as one of the personalities on the hit TV show, Very Cavallari, where she worked as the social media manager for fashion company Uncommon James. Despite appearing on the show for roughly one season, Shannon was able to leverage her time on camera into a thriving career and prove that a massive setback can lead to an even better comeback. In this episode, we discuss the power of public setbacks, the hustler's mentality Shannon developed from living in a trailer as a kid. We also talk about how to break free from people-pleasing, the importance of being yourself, and why people will know if you're being fake. We also get into how Shannon stays consistent, motivated, and focused while building her business, and so much more. So let's get this conversation going, and welcome Shannon Ford to the Adversity Advantage Podcast. Shannon, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. You did a little bit of research into your story. Some digging. Some digging. And what I, what I find really fascinating about it is that you are like the comeback person. Comeback queen. Comeback queen. <laughs> like something happens, a big setback, whether that be being fired from reality TV, whether it's like losing like a, you know, a podcast and a potential deal, you always have found a way to come back stronger, it seems. Yeah. And a lot of people that are listening to this or people that are watching this, they're struggling in their own setback right now. They're trying to figure out how to make a comeback. Like, what are a few pieces of advice you'd like give to the audience if they're facing a setback right now to be able to come back stronger into the next version of themselves? Yeah, I mean, a lot of setbacks. I guess that's just like my thing. I just always need the fire lit underneath my bottom to get going again, I don't know. But I think like a long time ago I realized, cause I would hyper fixate on, on failing. I'd be like, oh, I never wanna fail. And who wants to fail, right? right. But when you fail out loud and on the scale that I did kind of, you know, on reality TV, which sidebar, who gets kicked off of reality TV? Like that's it's, when it's not a competition show. I mean, right. <laughs> that's it's pretty hard to do, but there I am. So yeah, I mean, I think failing out loud, I realized was kind of, it kind of just, and I, I don't mean to get too cliche here and to like, oh, other people can see it looks more relatable, but like realistically you, you lose sight of how often people are failing. Bill Gates failed, you know, like everyone failed eventually in their life at some point. And so, I mean, to get back up, I just feel like it beats the hell out of the alternative, which is to stay down. So it's really the only option. I didn't have like a lot of safety nets. So you kind of just like have to get back on the horse. And I know I'm just like throwing 800 cliches in your face right now, but they're cliches for a reason because I just found like it was more embarrassing for me because every time something bad happened to me, I was embarrassed or every time I failed, I was embarrassed. I was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I got fired on national television. Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. This podcast like that I thought was so wonderful and going to be massive and huge just like got pulled from underneath the rug, you know? So it would be more embarrassing to me to just like stay down. And I was like, at least no one's gonna fault me for getting back up and trying again. Like no one's gonna think that's embarrassing. No one's gonna wish for you to fail again. Well, some people might, but like for the most part, I just thought like, I'll at least have to try to get back up and do it again. And then it almost always 99.9% .9 of the time, you do get back up and you soar even higher. So it's worth the climb back up. Yeah, for sure. And I think what a lot of people have a hard time with when they're in that setback or when they have something, like they get the rug pulled out from underneath them, whether right. that's losing a show, whether that's breakup, divorce, losing a job, like fill in the blank, right? Yeah. Is they end up just feeling so ashamed of themselves mm -hmm. and they, they have a hard time with the embarrassment and they get so fixated on the fact that they're a failure. Like, how did you like, you know, transform like 
your relationship with that mindset so that you could feel embarrassed or you could feel like a, maybe a failure for like a second. But like, how did you use that like mindset to your advantage? Well, you don't realize how many other people, like I said, in life have failed. So like by failing on the grand large scale I did, which by the way, you don't have to be kicked off a reality TV show or have a, you know, public eye podcast, you know, end to know that people in your neighborhood, people in your life, people at your school, wherever you're at, they're seeing you fail. They know. Right. And you would be shocked to know that they also failed. Like, so to transform my mindset, I feel like I just had to remind myself that everyone has also gone through their own trials and tribulations. And like, if mine may be like an ounce different than someone else's, it's still the grand scheme of thing is like, people are failing at what they're wanting to do or wanting to achieve and then find another route, find another way to get there. I mean, life is not a one way street, you know, you, there's so many different ways to get to where you want to do. And I, and honestly, it's not a bad idea to take a break. Like whenever I, the podcast ended, I said, like, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to start my own, I swear. And then I said, you don't have to do it right now. Like, you don't have to immediately prove to the world, like, uh, I failed. Well, I can do it again. Like, it's okay to take a step back, recalibrate, like, calm down, think about the best way to go on that next route because it takes time. So I took, like, four or five months, and I just didn't want to be the girl that just, like, kept saying she was going to come back and then didn't. So I did take some time and then figure out the best approach to starting, you know, the podcast back. And so that's okay too. You don't have to fail and then win five seconds later. You can fail and chill for a second and think about it and figure it out, reflect. Like that's all normal too. So to shift my mindset, I guess, I know that's all over the place for that answer, but I just like gave myself some grace and some time and people around me gave me grace. That's what I was getting at. Like you, you would be shocked at how many people in your life will be there for you, comfort you and have also failed and will pick you up and help you along the way. Yeah. That's so true. And I think that like practicing the pause is so important, especially when you're going through a hard it, yeah. time, because that way you can like, I mean, you end up like switching from like an emotional state to like a logical state. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm emotional. Go. I mean, <laughs> like when it all happened to me, all the things that I've ever failed at, I, the first reaction is I'm emotional. So yeah, very good way to put it, yeah. to just calm down for a second and shift to logical. And I guess for some context, the show was, was a very- Yeah, very cavalier. And gosh, now I look back and it's also funny, like hindsight's 2020 perspective shift. When you, when you look back now, I'm like, oh my gosh, 22 year old Shannon, you're going to be okay. Like it's a reality TV show. Like you'll be okay. But at the time when it's why I don't ever want to like discredit anyone's like emotions towards what they are upset about because you don't know what they're feeling at the time. And at the time, everyone was like, you're fine. It's just a reality TV show. But to me at that point, it was like everything to me. Like, I just thought it was like the most important thing ever. And they were continuing on and doing more series or more seasons. I was just like not allowed to do it with them. And it was like girls I knew it was in my town. Like I, the boss I used to have, like, I was just really bummed about it. So it was like, everything to me. But you know, you look back and you're like, you're going to be okay. <laughs> it's like the breakup. Like you break up with someone or someone breaks up with you and you're devastated at the time. And then five years pass or two years pass or six months. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was that upset about it. So time, she's a homie. She's also kind of the B word sometimes, but she's a homie. She looks out for you. She heals you. So you just gotta, I like that. Practice the pause. It's a really good way to put it. You practice the pause. And I just think that, you know, sometimes even though like what you're going through right now is painful and it's challenging, like the only way to think about it is to know that this is in some way having some meaning and some purpose like down the road and that totally. it's happening for you. Because if you get caught up in that mindset of, oh my gosh, like why is this happening to me? The world's against me and blah, blah, blah. And you stay in that for so long, like that ends up like making your life even worse. And that ends up just exacerbating the adversity that you're already in. Yeah. And like mental game is, it's got to be strong in any facet if you want to win in life. And if you go around, you're allowed to be sad, right? Like let's process the emotions. Let's be upset. Let's talk to people close to you and express your emotions. But like the holding on to the clinging to the victim mentality is not helpful. I don't think in any progress up, it's just not going to help you in any way. Right. And I think a lot of your wisdom around life comes from your childhood. I knew you kind of grew up in humble beginnings. And I think that's an yeah. important and um, ironic conversation to have. So talk a bit about like what childhood was like for you, what your beliefs about money were growing up, and then how that has all led to what you're doing now. Yeah, I mean, I had the best childhood ever, like I always say, and I I don't ever want to use the word poor because that's also, you know, subjective. Like, right. But I, I grew up with not many things that like my friends had, but I had no idea, right? And my parents, I grew up so blessed living on the lake, but we lived in a double wide on the lake. And I remember I've talked about this before in another podcast when a girl came to school, obviously like she's just being a little bully and it was elementary school. And she was like, you live in a trailer. And I was like, 
No, I don't, Jessica. Okay, <laughs> I do not live in a trailer. And I went home and I was like laughing with my mom and I was like, mom, get this. This girl said we live in a trailer. And she was like, well, that girl was probably not being very nice, but we do. And I was like, we live in a trailer. And she was like, yes, what's well, a double wide? And I was like, we live in a double wide? Like I just didn't know because my family and I can attest to like that to my parents just gave us the best childhood. They raised us with so much love and so much happiness that like, and it was like really before social media, obviously. So it's not like I was able to log on and see how the rest of the world was living and lavish. So I just genuinely like had the best time, had the best friends, had the best parents. And I grew up like realizing that though, going into middle school, going into high school, like I just didn't have as much as everyone else did like money wise, but my parents are just such hard workers. They instilled in us like to work so, so hard. And like I said, I'm not saying I grew up in poverty at all, but like, it's just interesting the leaps and bounds that I've kind of like, I definitely don't, you know, I don't know how to explain it. I just didn't know that I didn't, I had no idea that I was really living in a trailer because I just was so happy all the time. So I think I just kind of brought that into my, the positivity was just transferred into my adult life as well. Right. And so given that you found out that you were living in a, in a trailer and it was kind of like a <laughs> nice trailer, by the way, right? it's, it's great. It was like a, a kind of like a rude awakening, maybe a little bit as kind of like you described that you really didn't know that you were living in, in this, right? We will get you back to this episode of the adversity advantage in just one second. But first wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and earth echo foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I have been using for quite some time now. Lately, I have been trying to use it as an alternative to coffee as I am trying to cut back. I can say I think it might be working. Using it can be as simple as adding it to a smoothie or mixing it with water or your favorite nut milk. Cacao Bliss starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com slash Doug Again, it's earthechofoods.com slash Doug to check it out and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. You're just a little kid. You're just like, yeah. wait, I, every little kid wants what the coolest kid in school has, right? Like now all the elementary kids, they all want to drink prime, like, and they can't yeah. find it on the shelves and the parents are racing to try to find this prime drink because they saw it on YouTube and they want it so bad, right? So like, you know, I didn't, like I said, grow up in poverty, but you just, I wanted the Abercrombie and Fitch shirt. My mom was like, LOL, you're getting Kmart. And I was like, what? Like you, it made me just like want for things. But my parents were very much like, if you want it, go work for it, go get it. Like when I was growing up and I was like, well, Kayla has this, can I have that? She's like, sure, Kayla's mommy and daddy worked very hard to get her that, you can work hard too. And I'm like, oh. So yeah, my parents just instilled in me like, you gotta work, you gotta work. Yeah, how did your parents raising you in that way and that mindset that you developed around wanting things and working for things, how did that fuel you to be as successful as you are now? I think the second I like got a taste of any sort of like money or just like, you know, things in life that I've always wanted, like I was like, there's no turning back here. But I can also in the same breath say like, I didn't have money until I was 24, which is very young, obviously, but I started making probably money off Instagram and stuff on around 24, 25. And I was broke as a joke. I mean, I was still calling my parents, begging them for $126.97 because I swear that's all I need for rent, I swear. And I'm like, I was just as happy then too. But you know, you earn money and you live a new lifestyle and you're like, ooh, I wanna make sure I can keep this up because this is nice. It's nice to not be like stressed or, you know, financial freedom independently is nice. Yeah, absolutely. It feels good. It feels good as a female. It feels good in any right to just like know that you can provide for yourself, that you can give back to others. Like I'm able to take my parents on vacations and do things that are like really wonderful for us as a family. Right. That's amazing that yeah. things have kind of come back full circle and you're able to pay it forward to your parents and just yeah. give, give them a lot of what maybe they couldn't have given you, even though they gave you a great childhood, but financially they, they weren't able to provide you some of the things that maybe you may have wanted as a kid, but now right. you're able to do that for them. I want to talk about fame for a second, because I think that sometimes it seems that when people grow up in humble beginnings, they develop fame fairly quickly. Sometimes that can have a negative impact on them because they really don't, you're not really, there's no playbook on how to deal with it. Yeah. Did you ever have a hard time dealing with becoming you're developing some fame and developing like a big following. Like did that ever impact your mental health or you in a negative way? I mean, yes and no. I was just like ego ridden young child and young adult that was like, I'm 
obviously going to be famous. Like I just looked like when the opportunity came up to be on reality TV, I was like, duh, like I was that, you know, the ego has hurt me in a lot of ways, but it's helped me in some ways. Right. And I think the transition was like nice. I was more excited than anything. Like when people started like recognizing me or following me, I was like, oh my God, cool, cool, cool. And I don't want to play the card. Like, oh my God, I'm just so honored. I had no, couldn't, can't even believe it. I mean, I was like, I want to be famous, like really grinded for that. Right. But in the same breath, obviously like so much negativity comes with that. So that transition was harder for me. I don't think it has anything to do with how I grew up. If anything, that's helped me because I've just got an amazing support system in my parents who are like, you know, you can't let these people get to you, et cetera, et cetera. But I hyper fixated on that for a while. And, and that's a work in progress. You always got to, you know, nowadays there's whole forums, right? Like Reddit and all these like hate pages about people. And that's a tough pill to swallow because again, your ego comes in and my ego wants me to go look at this page because it's a whole page about Shannon Ford. Oh my gosh, of course I want to click on it, but the whole page is mean things, right? So then you're like, okay, you don't need to go here because this is bad for your mental health. Everyone's just saying really mean things about you, but your ego is like, but don't you kind of want to see what they have to say? And so I have to kind of like remove myself from that. And that to me was like the hardest transition of being like, well-known the hate that came along with it. Yeah, I'm sure. Cause I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really hard to deal with online hate. I mean, cause specifically, like you said, it's just more readily available. Like back yeah. in the day, like you would hear maybe somebody talking behind your back that you used to say right now right. it's like in comments. Oh my gosh. No, I literally say all the time. I go pick up the phone and call your friends and talk shit in a group chat, like a normal person. Like why do you have to put it on the internet? Can you just pick up the phone and FaceTime your friend and say horrible, nasty things about me behind my back? Why does it have to be like so easily accessible? Everything's so accessible to see mean things about you. So I have to remind myself, like most people on Instagram are really kind and my DMs and on my comments, like that's what I need to pay attention to. That's easily accessible to me. I need to not, you know, go searching for shannonfordreddit.com. Like obviously you're not going to find great things there. So it's a work in progress. I, again, I don't like to lie and act like, oh, I don't pay those things any mind. There's a lot of influencers. There's a lot of well-known public figures who are like, I don't even look at that stuff. I'm like, well, you probably you do though. <laughs> like Come on, you do. Right. So anyways, work in progress every day. I have to actively tell myself, like, you can't worry about what other people think. If you wouldn't take their opinion in real life, like, then you don't need to take their opinion online. You wouldn't ask them for advice. Don't worry about their opinion. Yeah. I feel like in the creative space, dealing with online hate and feedback, I think is more challenging than for the average person. The reason I say that is because your income and your livelihood is dependent on whether or not your audience likes you, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, 100%. it's like if, if your audience doesn't connect with you, if they don't trust you, they're not gonna buy stuff that you post about or whatever. They're right. not gonna, you know, subscribe to your podcast. They're not gonna do all these things that generate yeah. money for you. So you have to, in some way, kind of care. Of course, and that's why I'm like, sometimes I just shake my head when I see people online being like, I don't care what others think. I don't care about any of this stuff. It get into my Instagram ended tomorrow, I'd be fine. I'm like, but what, how would your what would your mortgage be like? I don't know if you would be fine. I don't think you would be because you have to. Like you have to. They're your people, you know, right? And I I have to tell myself to pay more attention to my people. And my people are these people who are really kind, really supportive, really uplifting, and there right in front of my face. You know, if you pay attention to those people, like the good people, which is ninety eight percent of the internet, you're always going to find a two percent dark hole. And that's with anything in life. That's with if you choose to look in at politics like that, if you choose to look at world issues like that, you can find good in the world. Like you don't have to be so, I'm always trying to think of words then never coming up with them. But you know, when someone's just like hell bent on, on finding the negative. Pessimistic. Like, yeah, yeah. You don't have to live a life like that. Like you can find good in the world. I just watched this video today on YouTube of this singer who was in the middle of his song in a massive auditorium and he has, he battles with Tourette's and in the middle of his song, he got like a episode and the whole crowd finished the song for him. And I'm like, move to tears. You can find stuff like that. You can find good in humankind if you actually look for it and pay attention to it and don't focus on like the negative. So in my life, I'm always constantly trying to do that and focus on the positive people. But yeah, I mean, it would be remiss to say that I don't care what others think about me because I do, because it's my livelihood. Right. And I think that goes along the same lines as like people pleasing and boundaries. And I know that's something that you've been working oh, yeah. <laughs> on is, is trying to get better at your relationship with those things. Like how has people pleasing and not having boundaries over the years, how has that impacted your life? And what have you done to really, you know, transform your relationship with those things? Yeah, that was a new year's resolution I, I made and successfully accomplished, which I rarely do that with new year's resolutions. So I was very proud of myself. I, 
am the world's biggest people pleaser. I swear, like on my headstone, it'll say, no worries if not, like it's okay if not, but only if you want to, no pressure. Like, cause I just, I shudder at the idea of someone like me putting someone out or me making someone feel like not good or annoyed or whatever, upset, sad. So I didn't have boundaries with people because of that, because I always wanted to make everyone around me happy. And so you fall into this vicious cycle of like saying yes to stuff that you don't want to do because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings and you want to be a people pleaser. But then you're calling your best friend or your mom or your boyfriend and you're being like, oh my God, I can't believe I said yes to this. I don't want to do this. And they're like, why'd you say yes then? And I'm like, because I, he would be so upset if I didn't go to his birthday dinner. And they're like, no, he wouldn't. He would have understood that you were like spend. You didn't, or I would make up these crazy lies. Like instead of just telling someone like, I'm sorry, I can't, I would make up some crazy lie about like, oh, this happened and this happened and I can't, I'm so sorry about like, you can just tell someone, I'm sorry, I'm not able to make it. It's very easy to do. It's okay to do that. And no one cares and no one's overthinking it as much as you are or, or in my sense, like I was. And this whole past year in 2022, I was just, you know, I don't know, this is gonna sound crazy, tell the truth. Hey, my social battery is at negative five. Like I cannot come out, but like, I wish you the best. Like let's have a makeup drink. And then here's the crazy thing. People will be like, no problem. And you're like, that was so easy. And then you don't pick up the phone and call your mommy and like, I'm so annoyed I have to go to this. I'm so stressed, I don't wanna do this. And all they wanna say back to you is, you're annoying me by calling me and telling me this now, just say no. So. I've gotten better about it. And the way I action steps I took to that was just baby little steps of saying no to something small, saying no to little things. And then one day you're just able to say no without some word vomit about how and why. Like you don't have to give people that all the time. It's okay to just say no and not have a four page essay about why afterwards. Right. I mean, cause no is a complete sentence, right? It's yeah. Kind of thing. And like, I think also what you'll find is if you say something like you said, like you have a negative social battery right now. Right. Somebody else might be like, you know what? Like, thanks for sharing. Like me too. You know, like how can we work on this together? Oh my God. Not to mention what there's memes about it. People are like, I, there's something that I love more than when someone cancels plans before me because I wanted to cancel them too. Like, <laughs> right. like everyone's going to be okay. If they don't go out and get a spicy mark on a Wednesday, they'll be okay. So right. yeah. Saying no, I just had to get better about you know, boundaries with people, with life, with work. Like I had to really sit down and be like, what are, and boundaries isn't just a word. Like it's, it's what it means, a boundary around something. So for that, you have to get like technical and serious. I know, I know we had Mallory Irvin in here and she talks about manifesting all the time. And one of the things I love that she says is about like, you have to be specific, right? So it's the same with boundaries. Like you have to dial in your boundaries. You can't do one thing for one person, do something else. If you have a boundary, it has to be set, clear cut. And if you need to write that down so you remember it, then do it. But you need to have clear boundaries in any working relationship, romantic relationship, friendships. It was hardest for me with friendships because I just never want to upset my friends. It's easier for me with work and love life. But with friends, I'd always be like, oh, I can do it. It's okay. And it's, you know, then you get, you run yourself just ragged. Yeah. And I know, like you said, like obviously boundaries and you know, not saying yes to as many things has been a big area of growth for you. Yeah. Like what's been another big area of growth for you over the last like six to 12 months? Six to 12 months, big area of growth, consistency. I think because I don't have a normal job, it's easy for me to like work really hard one day. And then for the next two days, I kind of just like, mm, I'm like, well, I don't really need, like every single day I can be working. Every single day I can be doing something to better my life, my career, my mental health, my relationship, my relationship with my parents, like any, the community, anything. And so without running myself ragged, like I just said, I think I've gotten better about consistency and waking up and being like, what are we working towards today? Because, and maybe this is, you know, we'll speak to people that are in the post COVID work from home opportunities. Cause there's, we see so much more of that now. Right. And it's hard to stay motivated when you work from home and your couch is literally two feet away from you. And you're like, oh, that looks good. And your fridge is right there and your cell phone charger and your TikTok capability, everything's right there. And I had to like hone in and be like, this is your year of focus. This is your year of getting shit done. Like work on it, get it done. And don't make up some, because I'm the best at making excuses for myself. I can talk myself into anything, anything, it, buying anything, going anywhere, doing anything. So I'm like, I had to like detach myself from that really persuasive Shannon and be like, go to work, girl. You need to work. So consistency. I worked on that too a lot this year. Oh, I love that. Consistency is big, right? And you, you brought up a good point in that, it's easy to not be consistent in the creative world when you know you can put, you can crank out a bunch of content and yeah. then you generate a bunch of money and you're like all right well I'm good for the next like three months or right. two months or whatever 
And I think along the same lines of being consistent is like saying no to more things. Like you said, like when you say no to more things and you take care of yourself, yeah. you're going to be able to be more consistent. Totally. Like what are some things you do on like a day-to-day basis to make sure with all the distractions that there is with your phone, with, you know, scrolling on TikTok, Instagram, stuff like that. Like right. how do you keep yourself focused on your profession? Well, it's hard for me personally because my profession is on my phone. Right. So like sometimes I'll be like, oh, what was that sound on TikTok that I wanted to make a video for? And then I go to find it and then I'm like, that was it, save it. And then I'm like, scroll. And then I'm like, where did two hours go? Like, first of all, TikTok is so scary like that. Like <laughs> yeah. the way time passes, I understand why people use it for like treadmill or like whatever based exercises because like two hours just flies by. So something that I have to do is I'm not, this is not going to be very inspirational, but I don't really like listen to self-help books, audiobooks. but when I need to hone in and focus on something, I don't put music on. I put like an audiobook on, but when I do that, I turn my like airplane mode still plays an audiobook, right? So I have to physically like remove my phone and put it somewhere where I can hear it. Cause I want the audiobook, but I'll plug it in and like put it, I'll put it behind an item or under an item so that I would physically have to pick that item up or move it, which then registers in my brain. Like you're moving your stuff so that you can get to your phone. Right. I have to put it away. Like I have to really hone in on it. And I'm also just really visual. I'm a really visual learner. Like lists are big for me. I know you can make them in your phone, but like, I just don't do that. I sit down and write them. And there's something so satisfying about checking something off of a to-do list. And I'm very ADD. So like my brain's always all over the place. So I write a list as it comes to me. And then I the satisfaction I get from crossing something off is like little things. Like if you want to start small, you could literally write, make my bed. Like if you're someone that works all day, gets distracted, gets on TikTok and doesn't make their bed, like write down on your list, make my bed. And then when you're able to cross it off, I don't know. It just feels good. If you want to write, like go to the grocery store, get my item. I'm like these small things you could to cross off are really satisfying and remind me and they make me feel productive. They make me feel accomplished, even if they are little things. And when I feel like I'm in this zone of like, oh, I just ticked that off. Oh, I just crossed that off. Then it doesn't make me want to go get on TikTok and slump into a chair and like double chin and like watch and scroll. It makes me want to do the next thing and do the next thing. So like I'm motivated by getting other things done, but it's hard. Yeah. Like you said, like when you can batch content or when you can, I try not to do that, mm. especially with my podcast too. It, it's really easy to come and do like six episodes at a time. I try to say that for like what you're doing. If I travel somewhere, I'll do that because you have all these people in Nashville, right? That you want to talk to. So that makes sense. But where I live, I try not to do it because then I'll just like, you know, mess around for three weeks and not really just dive into notes and content and like the creative space. And I never really have creative blocks. So I can't really, there's this brain is a scary place. It's always going. So I try to just remind myself that like me, in the moment is the best content I can put out. So I need to always be like myself in the moment on my platforms. You mentioned that you wanted to be like famous and have some sense of importance when you were a kid. Yeah. Like, did you ever think you'd be doing what you're doing now? No, not really. You know, when you're a kid, you're like, what did I always want to do? Like something like movie actress or something. But then I, I think I shifted it towards, I wanted to be a news broadcast. Like I wanted to be on the news, but probably just because that was someone I saw every day on TV. And I'm like, cool. On TV every day. Like these movie stars are not on every day. Like the news broadcasters are on every day in the spotlight. So things of that nature, you know, obviously I wasn't like, I want to be on Instagram. Wasn't a thing yet. But I, yeah, I always just like, I really liked the limelight. I really, I'm a middle child. I'm sure I just love the attention. You know, I'm not the oldest, I'm not the youngest. The middle child of three is just always clinging for attention. So I think I just wanted that. And I got attention. It wasn't like my parents didn't pay attention to me or anything, but I don't know. I think I just always strived for that. Yeah. You strike me as somebody, at least now, that is truly confident and secure with who you are and you're not afraid to be yourself. Have you? Has this always been the case for you or is this no. something that you've had to work on? Oh my God, no. I was quintessential, like the person, like the chameleon in the worst way possible, like would morph myself into anyone, any setting. And listen, adaptability is fantastic. When you're in a certain group of people, if you're at a certain place, like I've got quite the sailor mouth, but I'm not gonna drop the F-bomb on your podcast. I'm not gonna go to Easter Sunday brunch and be you know, talking all the crazy stuff I talk on my podcast or my Instagram. So being adaptable is one thing, but when you are morphing yourself and you are changing who you are for certain settings or groups of people, or my biggest thing was always boyfriends. I was always like, okay, what is their dream girl? I'll turn into that. Or here's the craziest concept. If you're, you know, a young adult looking for love, you could just really hone in on yourself, yourself. And there is someone out there who will think that version of you, the true version of yourself is their dream girl. You don't have to create this like prefix notion of what you think this guy will like. Just, you know, be yourself and you will find someone that likes that. 
it took a lot of work. And if I'm being honest, like it wasn't until probably like two or three years ago that I really was so truly happy and confident with being myself. And I stopped trying to be what I thought the world needed Shannon to be or who everyone would like better because there's a whole group of people out there who will like you for you. And yeah, it took work. It took a lot of self-reflection, self-discovery. And then it, it really took a lot of people just, you, my best friends would tell me when I'd be around them being my, my true self. They'd be like, oh, I wish you were like this all the time. And I mean, if your best friends are telling you that, that's a problem. You being yourself makes everyone so happy. Like you need to do that. And so and if it doesn't, then those aren't your people and you'll find your people eventually. And it's okay to go through seasons of change with friendships and relationships. But yeah, it's, being myself took a lot of work. It's not easy. And people were like, oh, I wish I could be as confident as you. I'm like, listen, it's, it was not overnight. I was not born this way at all. So I think I definitely worked at that and finally feel like I'm in a place in my life where I can confidently say like, I love me as myself. And I am not everyone's cup of tea. And I know that ferociously. So you just have to be okay with that side of things too. I think what happens a lot of times, Shannon, is so many people there because they don't have their own identity. They're, they use other people's identities to fill themselves up. And they end up, like you said, becoming a chameleon where they're so like disconnected from who they truly are. They don't even know that they're not acting like themselves. Like, right. What was that process like for you? Like, was it a gradual thing where you just knew that you weren't connected to yourself? And then how did you begin to like identify like who you truly were and what made you happy? Well, I'll tell you something. You say you like the people that are doing that, they don't even realize they're doing that. But here's the thing. Everyone else around you knows like everyone can tell you guys listening. You know, when you're talking to someone and they're being fake, you know, when you meet someone and you're like, what? Like, no. So for me personally, it took enough times that someone or people, groups, people called me out and it was embarrassing, right? Like, they're like, you don't even like that. And I'm like, yes, I do. I love classical music. And they're like, no, you don't. Why are you saying that? Like the people in my life were like, why are you doing this? And I was like, oh, you're right. So for me, it took getting embarrassed a few times. It took realizing that like, you know what it really took? I'll tell you, Doug, it took me seeing other people doing it and being like, oh my gosh, they're so annoying. Who would do, I do that. Oh <laughs> no, I do that. And you don't want to be that person. Like I would make up little white lies and like nothing harmful or weird, right? But like, there's no need to do it. And when I started realizing that other people doing that annoyed me, then I was like, you need to stop doing that. Like no one wants to be around the person that embellishes or lies or just like makes up hobbies and weird things. And I just think like, <laughs> realizing that in the action steps I took was just like, I was so much less exhausted. And you want to talk about a social battery or just your life battery. It is so actually easy to be yourself because it's so much less effort to be yourself than to try to be someone else. Like, you know, the storylines I had to keep up with for some people, like I had come up with all these different like personalities and like ways that I would act around this group of people and then ways I would act around this person. But let me make sure that they're never in the same room because then they'd be like, Ooh, why is she acting like this? Like you don't, you can, two things can exist at once, right? Like I can be a classy girl. I can have a sailor mouth. I can have all these things and it can be Shannon. You don't have to pigeonhole yourself or put yourself in one box. And the second you take all the pieces of yourself that are different and weird and funny and sad and emotional, and you realize it's okay to be all of that in one because it's all you and it's all yourself, then you can have a bunch of different parts of you that everyone accepts and appreciates because you're being yourself. And it's just so much less exhausting to be yourself. There's no greater feeling to wake up and know that from the beginning of the day to the end of the night, you are yourself. And maybe people listening to this will be like, what do you mean? I'm literally always myself. But there are some people listening who do this chameleon thing and you don't have to, it's exhausting. And you're gonna, you're gonna burn out from it and you're gonna maybe lose friends from it. Cause like I said, other people see that you're doing it. They know. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And it's like, it's exhausting. Cause like when you're actually being yourself, you don't have to like think as much cause you're just naturally being yeah. you. You don't have to think about like, oh, what lie did I tell that person? I got to like continue right. on that story or I got to make sure that what I say to them, like everything yeah. matches up. Otherwise, like I'm going to look like a, a failure or like even in the in the context of social media, it's like, you know, you're posting a picture with you like in a, in a Lambo. Right. And then like a week later, you're like declaring bankruptcy. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just got to, you have to make sure you're just honest, you're being honest because otherwise like not only are people going to find out about it just with, with the way social media and just right. the way things are now, but too like, you're just not going to feel happy. No, you're never going to be happy. And like I said, if, if the world would be a better place, if everyone realized two things can exist at once, right? Like things that are contradicting, they're allowed to exist at once. You're allowed to believe or have or do two things that are 
polar opposites at the same time. And I've seen in social media for sure, like in a different retrospect, like you're saying driving the Lambo, but you're bankrupt. I've seen these girls on social media that like their whole shtick is like bargain hunting and this, and I find you this deal because listen, it's a very lucrative business to link stuff from Target and from Walmart because the masses, that is where we're shopping, right? Like this is where people are going every day. So it makes of course sense from a business standpoint to link things that are accessible and obtainable for the mass general public, right? But then they make so much money from this as they should because they're working hard, they're grinding, they're incredible influencers, and they want to go buy that Chanel bag that they've always wanted. But they don't post it because then everyone would be like, oh, but you said you shop at Target. You say you shop <laughs> at Walmart, but you're carrying around a Chanel bag. You can. You can. It's okay. Like, you worked hard. You linked all that stuff. You're an incredible influencer. You're relatable. You earned it. Go get your Chanel bag, honey, and then link your Target baby spoons later if you want. Like, it's okay, and I, I feel sad for the people that also, I don't want to say lie, but, like, are struggling with trying to show both sides of themselves. Like, I think it's really okay to be multiple things at once. And so if you're struggling with trying to fit yourself into one box because it's made this one group of people happy, chances are that group of people still going to like you when they see another side of you too. Right. And I think it's just all about communication too, because I think in that example that you just used, it's yeah. probably more difficult because that, that person is in the public eye and they're yeah. having to communicate. I think about like in the finance world, right? Mm -hmm. the, like financial people, they are like, you know, I know you were on, you know, our mutual friend, Jason Tardick's podcast. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, you know, we were talking, you were talking about like budgeting. And I think you were talking about like your spending and stuff like right. that. And so the reason I bring that up is like financial advisors, they consult with people on how to budget their money, how to right. save money, how to spend less, yeah. but yet they go out and they enjoy themselves. Yeah. But they also are allowed, they are also budgeting their money well and they totally. are saving money and they're investing. So they're allowed to do that. But people kind of already, they know that, right? right? They already assume that financial people are good with money. Right. So like when they see them going out and having a nice dinner, they're like, they must have budgeted for that. Right, exactly. Which you can. Two things can exist at once, you know? The problems come in when you're buying the Lambo, but you're bankrupt and you can't afford your house. When you're telling people you only shop at Target and you don't even understand why anyone wants all those fancy bags anyways, and then you got three Chanel's in your closet bagged up that you never can wear because you're too afraid someone's going to catch you wearing them. Like the second you start in any facet of life, the second you start lying and, or just hiding things. Like I said, I wouldn't like, I hate to even use the word lie, but I would have all these little like white lies, these little things that were just like embellishments. And the second you find yourself doing that, you're losing sight of the real life. And obviously with social media, like that's what I think everyone wants to get back to. We all love social media. We all love technology, but we want to see the real side of people through technology, you know? Yeah. We kind of want Facebook back. Like huh. we, we, we want it back a little bit, like make an album with, 20 photos with your digital camera because everyone was looking at those being like, how fun, you know, it's the curation is beautiful and it's wonderful. And I'm obviously a product of it. I love curating a beautiful feed or beautiful content, but like the realness of it is nice to come back to every once in a while as well. hundred percent. And like, speaking of like realness, like along those lines is like trust. And I know that like you've had the rug pulled up from underneath of you a couple of times with your first podcast yeah. with reality TV. Like, has that created any kind of like trust issues where you like have any, you've had any kind of feeling that this could all go away at any point? Has it impacted your, your relationship with James? Is that his trust? No, you know, trust. I am just blindfully trust people always. And that does not help me. And I, you know, without saying too much, there have been several business situations that I've gotten myself into where people are like, why did you trust them? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I should have not done that. Like people pleaser, right? I just, I want to see the good in everyone. So trusting, I'm almost too trusting sometimes. I think I've always been someone to grind. Like I've always just like, from a young age, like I always just wanted money just to like buy candy bars or to, to do something, to get a new shirt from Abercrombie and Fitch, whatever. So I think if the rug was pulled out from underneath me with Instagram or a podcast or whatever, I think I would just like find something else to do, you know, like, and I think I'd be really good at it. I think whatever I really put my mind to, I will be good at. I've always said like, I'd love to like sell used cars one day. I feel like I would just really crush that. If I was a used car salesman, I just really think I could do that well. So I just, I don't ever worry too much about that. And maybe that's on Jason's podcast. You were just mentioning it. He was like, God, you just, you're just so carefree. Like, how do you live like this? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll just figure out, always figure it out. And I watched my parents figure it out a lot. You know, sometimes they were living paycheck to paycheck and always try. I remember that growing up, you know, sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening to this, but you guys were so stressed all the time, but they always made it work, right? Like they always figured it out. They were Mrs. and Mr. Figure it out. They were the comeback king and queen before I was like, they always figured it out. So I just have this mindset and 
really everyone listening should too. Like you will figure it out. If anything in life happens to you, I guarantee the darkest, deepest, most horrible thing, or just like the most annoying thing casually in your day, you're going to figure it out. Like you will. And so I have to like hold true to that and, and look at the big picture. And I'm able to zoom out and see the big picture a lot of the times. And I just make sure I'm always doing that when crummy things happen, which like I said, even recently, <laughs> there's a business situation that I was just like, oh no. And I was like, you know what? We won't do that again, right, Shannon? We're looking at them. We won't do that again, right? Right? Okay. And you just, you can learn from it all. And so, that's what I try to do. So what adjustments are you making now? You you mentioned this recent business decision that didn't go well. Like, like now are you like kind of, have you put like steps in place to say, you know what, like I'm going to do more due diligence before I start to trust somebody fully? Like how are you yeah. handling it now? I think I was doing that thing where I just blindly trust people in the sense of like, like I need to see contracts. Like it is always worth it to pay a little bit more attention or pay a little bit more money to someone who understands legal jargon to read something. Right. And, you know, it's very, very important. And I feel like a, this might just be a me thing because like my parents, every time something happens like this, they're like, what, why didn't you read that? Why didn't you read that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, there is such thing as being too carefree and there's nothing worse than when something goes wrong and you know, you have no one to blame, but yourself, you know, that is like soul crushing for me. Like I'd love to place the blame on someone else. I'd love to be like, well, this happened here. And that person, if that hadn't happened, then I wouldn't be in the situation, but no, 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 no. It was a lack of judgment and a, a lack of paying attention. And I, I've had several other business opportunities come up and instead of being like, oh, I'm this smart business savvy girl, I almost just flipped my hair. I forgot it's up in a very tight bun. <laughs> but instead of, you know, being like, oh yeah, I'll get back to you, EOD, end of day. It's okay to be like, hey, so I'm just a bit confused about the language here. I'm gonna like contact someone who knows more about it. I even said to one person and I even wrote it and was like, that was so embarrassing, whatever. I even wrote like, I'm gonna have to ask my mom and dad. Like, is that embarrassing coming from a 29 year old businesswoman? Kind of, but it's honest. And I know the person and their friends. So I was like, I just need to talk to my mom and dad about it. I don't really understand some of this part. So I just like financially just want to speak with them about it and see what their opinion is. And they were back and we're like, sounds great. Let us know. Mm -hmm. And taking the time, me personally, like I said, this might not be other people, but like, I just wasn't paying enough attention and you get, I got loose with it. I got like, I'm like, oh, I have this money. I can just spend it. No, no, no. Then one day you look at a statement that says how much you lost in X, Y, Z. And you're like, oh, and all I had to do, you know how I can apply this to everyone listening to this, go to Apple, click on your settings, click on your little circle dot and look how many subscriptions you have no idea you're paying for, right? Like things that have just gone swept under the radar and you will realize that you're paying $2.99 a month for this app, $3.99 for this app that you didn't realize you canceled. They swindled you into some other reoccurring fee. And it's like little things like that added up and mine were unfortunately not just subscription apps that I was paying for. It was, you know, these things that were big in business because I simply was not paying attention. And I, I've got to pay attention better. I've got to be more serious with things like that. So that's what I'm personally, for me, that's what I'm trying to do. That's awesome. And it's cool that you not only learn, like you're learning these lessons, but you're also like keeping like your family in the loop and not afraid to ask for help from them. Like, yeah. I, think, I think a lot of people struggle when they're going into something new that maybe they don't think their family is going to approve of. They don't understand. I know you've had, you had your kind of struggles with that earlier on when you yeah. got into this world but you seem to handle it kind of gracefully where you just didn't completely just kick your parents out of your life. No. Like, how, like what advice would you have for somebody where they're maybe their loved one, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a parent, like isn't necessarily approving of something that they're doing, but the person is passionate about it and sees the success long-term, but the other party, you know, doesn't understand it. Yeah, I mean, I, when I first started my podcast, my parents were like, by that point, they were like, you are a free feather in the wind. We cannot stop you. Best of luck, many blessings towards you. <laughs> but like when I first started Instagram, as far as like being, being my just like true, authentic, you know, out of pocket kind of gal, which I am, like I said, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. You know, I'm from the South. I'm from the deep South. Like my parents don't cuss like that. They don't, my mom definitely, I did pageants growing up. Like my mom was like, why did you just say, on your podcast or on Instagram, on your story. And I was like, mom, it's who I am. And I'm also an adult and I'm just going to do it. And she did not like it. There was one time where we had a, like a really big fight and I could tell anyone listening that's kind of struggling with their spouse or their family, not understanding the long haul and being like, I don't like w this idea of what you're doing, or it's not going to work out. Like you do just like, again, time she's, she's a bitch, but she's a homie. She really is. And if enough time passes, it can just prove to people, you don't even have to be the most successful person in the world with it. But if your family sees that what you're doing truly makes you happy, if like quitting your job at Google to make soap makes you happy, right? Your parents will 
tell you this is insane. I can't believe you're quitting your job at Google to make soap. This is crazy. But like, I don't know if in a year they see the happiest version of yourself that you've ever been. Chances are if someone really loves you in your life, which I assume a partner or your family members, they love you. They will want what's best for you. And for my parents, you know, they were like, we don't get it. We don't get it. We don't understand why you're acting like this on social media. And then it was a very lucrative and successful business. And then they had people coming up to them being like, I love your daughter. I follow your daughter. Like she always makes me laugh. <laughs> and of course that brings them so much joy. And now my mom has eased up a little bit on the cussing because she's like, well, you just bring everyone joy. You know, just you just make people laugh. That's all we can hope for, that their daughter makes other people happy. So you got to give it time and you got to have the, you got to be brave enough to do it because your family's your family. They're not going to leave you. They're not going to tell you you can't come to Christmas. They're not going to take you out of the will. Like they might say those things in rashness and emotionally in the beginning, but they won't. If your family's your family, family's family, they're always going to love you. So you got to just go for it. You got to be selfish. And, you know, I also, I never strayed away from asking for my parents' help. And yes, when they don't approve of what you're doing and then you ask them for help, it's not always the easiest thing to do. But like, I'm really close to my parents and I've never really discredited that they are adults. Like I, sometimes I forget I'm an adult. I'm like, I'm almost 30, but I'm like, mom, dad, how do I do this? And they're like, oh, also I think they should teach us more about finances in school when we're growing up. You know, I just bought a house and I'm like, what does this mean? And my mom's like, it means this, it's okay. And I think to myself, what would I do without them? Probably Google it. But like, it's much more reassuring to know my parents know. So I'll always go for them for help because I'm just not ever afraid to ask for help. That's awesome. So it seems like the, the formula for you was at least to be selfish know what you want to continue to go after it, but also like not just say F you to your parents, no, you know what I yeah. mean? And just keep them in the loop as much as you could stay connected with them. Cause I think a lot of times it's black and white where, right. where people are just like, they are afraid of like doing the thing because of what a family member might think, or they're like, you know what? I'm doing this. I'm putting up a boundary, get out of my life. Right. And here we go back. Two things can exist at once. Right. Like you can stay close to your parents and also respectfully tell them like, I'm going for it. Like I'm doing this. I know it doesn't make sense to you right now. If you do, you don't even have to support me. I don't need your support right now. But you know, if I call you and I want to update you on something or if I, this, 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 like, I just hope you can be happy for me. Like these are hard, but easy conversations to have. If you, if you need to write a script for yourself and be like, that's what I'm gonna say to my parents, that's what I'm gonna say to them, then do that. Whatever makes it easier for you to have these conversations with your parents, but people that love you in your life, like your parents or your spouse, like they're going to eventually see in the long run that it made you happy. Yeah. And yeah, two things can exist at once. People cannot approve of you and you can still love them and have them in your life. It might bother you. It might piss you off every once in a while thinking about like, oh, why can't they support me with this? But you know, it's not grounds for complete and total removal, I don't think. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You're 100% correct. And I guess like to bring things kind of full circle is now you're in like a really thriving relationship. Yeah. And I think now in the world that we live in, people struggle with texting communication. People struggle with online communication. And that's like the world that we live in. So yeah. whether it's between family members or between like people in a relationship or friends, like you've been able to dated somebody who like he lived in what in like London, right? He and still does. Yeah, I mean we're we're long distance. We're right. you know outside of Australia, that would be really hard. I mean we're very long distance, and I used to think like I just I don't know how anyone could do long distance, and I was thinking like Ohio, Nashville, you know. I'm like oh my, who would ever right? How? And then one day you meet someone, and they're the person that like you know at the risk of just sounding so cheesy, but they're like the one for, you know, you just, you know it. The saying, when you know, you know, you don't get it until you experience it. And I hope and I pray that everyone does experience that one day in their life because it is such a beautiful feeling. But when you realize that, then you're just willing to make it work. It's, it's like any job or anything in your life that you want so badly. If they say you got to pick up and you got to do X, Y, Z, you're like, I want it bad enough. I'm going to do it. So, you know, it's this trend on TikTok or maybe it's someone's podcast. I can't remember, but this very popular saying right now going around with women is if he wanted to, he would. It's basically the basis is that you shouldn't be confused in a relationship. You know, if he wanted to do something, he would, if he wanted to take you on a date, he would ask if he wanted to text you, he would, if he wants to, he will. So with me, I'm like, oh my gosh, this man is flying across the country to see me. And I'm flying across the country to see him. We have this, you know, compromise and this like quality in our relationship because we both want to. So we do. It's very 50, 50 and it's easy because he's a master communicator and I think I'm pretty darn good at it. So that has helped us and modern technology has helped us. FaceTime is a blessing and making plans before we leave each other is important to us because we have something to look forward to. And there's these tiny little things you can do to, you know, it's a trial and error. Like there've been times where I'm like, um, Hey, so 
when you call me and it's always you in bed instead of like you during the day when, cause the time difference, I always say like the long distance isn't hard. The time difference is what really just like frustrates me. I feel like I time steals so much for me from being his time zone to mine. And you know, I told him one time, like you always call me and it's like, you're in bed. And could you maybe call me like during the day? So I don't just talk to you yawning the whole time. And you'd be like, oh, I'm so tired. Like I would love to talk to you during the day. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And guess what he started doing? Talking to me during the day. I didn't call my girlfriend and say like, it's so annoying. Every time he talks to me, he's yawning. Every I told him, mm-hmm. I said it to him. You know, it's it's these easy things that he didn't think I was mad at him. And I wasn't, I just wanted to talk to him during the day when we were both a little bit more lively. So communication, especially in long distance is just like, if you don't have it, it will never, ever, ever work. And I think he and I are like doing a good job with that. It's incredible. And I think like just zooming out like a little bit, like what tips do you have for somebody in order to improve like their texting game with not just with a partner, maybe it's with a kid, maybe it's with the parents. I know sometimes like text messages can be dangerous when it comes to communication. Yeah. I mean, texting is a dicey game just because it's so hard to hear the inflection in someone's voice or like the cadence, like all these things. We're on a podcast right now and like you can hear when I'm saying something that nothing's coming off malicious or rude. But like, if you were just reading a script of this right now, some things might be confusing, right? Right. And you add video component and it's even easier to kind of like see that. So texting, I think, well, first of all, I'm a big voice notes gal. (laughs) I love a voice note on texting. Some people hate them. I love them. But I think maybe really knowing someone and knowing what they, I text my sister completely differently than I text my mom and dad. I know someone's personality. So I reread stuff before I send stuff. And I know it's really easy to get in this like quick habit of just like texting really quickly. And if you know, someone's going to think your messages being short or rude. Like I have some people that text me and I'm like, Oh my God, they just wrote back K, but I know them. And I know that that's just how they text. Right. right. If you're, trying to like maintain a really close relationship with your kids or, or a partner, maybe find the things that they want in communication. It's like love languages, but texting, right? What's your love language for texting? If someone, you know, is like, I don't like when someone texts me back short things, then you can change it. You don't have to just be like, Oh, that's how I text. Sorry. That's just how I am. Like there's a give and take with everything in life. So if you know, someone would prefer you not to be so short and like direct, then, you know, compromise for them. I think it's often that we get, well, that's just how I am. That's how I'm, and here we are saying like, be yourself, be yourself. But in life, it is absolutely, I think, important to just give and take and compromise with other people's like wishes. It's like you said, we can have both. You can be yourself, but you can also be compassionate yeah. and be trying to like meet the needs of your partner. Right, right? You can absolutely. Have both. And you have to, if you want something to work, you can't, chances are you're not going to meet someone that's identical to you. I mean, I don't want to date myself. Like that sounds exhausting. I don't know how James does it. So like, I imagine anyone in your life, your kids, your partner, your spouse, the guy that you just met that you've had two dates with, and you're like wondering how it's going to go, you know them and you can, maybe not the guy you just want two dates with and we'll, we'll take them out of the category, but like, you know them and you know what they would want. And if you don't, if it is the guy you went on two dates with, it's okay to ask. Like I personally text, like I send a text, I send a text, I send a text instead of one long, one text, for me is actually four texts. You know, I just like send my thoughts as they go off. And some people don't like that. And, or some people are like, that's so funny how you text, but that's just like what I do. Right. But I don't know. I think it's very normal to ask people what they like and something as easy as texting. Like for me and James, like I have told him before, like I, with phone calls or FaceTimes, like, I don't like when you hang up so quick cause you have to do something. Can you just like, let me, and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, of course. No one's mad. No one's angry. The people pleaser in me wants to die because I'm like, oh, I don't want to upset them. But like, you know, no one is. It's you're overthinking it. Yeah. So Absolutely. matching your partner, matching your kids' wants and needs are a very good thing to do. It's so important. And we got connected, you know, through like messaging on Instagram. Yeah. And I think this has been an amazing conversation. I think so many people are going to get a lot of value out of this. I hope so. They're going to want to listen to your podcast. They're going to want to connect with you. Where's the best place to find you on social media? Where can they find your podcast and that sort of thing? I am on Instagram at probably Shannon Ford. I am on TikTok as probably Shannon Ford. I'm not on TikTok that much, but the podcast is where I think that we could really, you know, relate to people. And that is probably a podcast. So all the probabilities just thrown in there. I will probably link all that. So no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I will link all that stuff in the show notes. And for those listening, what I invite you to do is to share a takeaway. Maybe it was something that Shannon said about how she bounced back from setbacks. Maybe it was something that she said about boundaries and people pleasing. Maybe it was something that she said about like being herself and her journey with that or something she recently just shared about communication. Whatever the takeaway was, tag Shannon and tag myself. We'd love to hear your feedback. I really actually would. I love feedback. Let's go. Let's go. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You got it. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. 
I'm your host, Doug Bobst. We'll see you next time.